0: Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross-Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Well, today uh, I want to talk to you about rest, and I'm talking about rest that goes deep down into your soul. But before I get into that, I mean, something big happened last week. I just have to say, you know, what about that Kentucky Derby, right? You know, if you didn't see it when it happened, hopefully you got to see it later. I mean, what an inspirational story. You know, you've got this no-name horse with a no-name trainer under a no-name owner. As I was watching the replay, because I'm not into horse racing, but it, everybody was talking about it. So I thought, man, I, I need to go watch it. And, you know, you're, I watch different viewpoints, and it's so funny. And one of them, you don't even see the horse the whole race, because they, he's not even in the camera. It's like, they'll, they're, they pan back a couple of times, and you see him. And his name is only mentioned once during the race, up until the very, very last last couple of seconds. <laughs> it's just so funny, you know. You know his, his name is mentioned, and when it's mentioned, it's like he's one of the three horses way back in the back. You know, he, so he's mentioned with them. You know, if you, when you get to see a, uh, the another angle that shows all of the races from up top, and and they they show it after with the with the um, arrow on him, he's all the way at the back, and then. It's just like a little a little gate open, so to speak, a little opening. He goes there, he weaves in, he goes in there, weaves in. <laughs> and then, again, his name's not been mentioned. It's so funny. The announcer is just announcing these other two horses. It's this one. This I don't even remember their name. What, anybody remember their names? Underwear and whatever. I don't even know what their names were. What? Epicenter and something else, you know, there's a, and then, and he's not even paying attention. Here comes this horse. <laughs> I mean, he just, his name still doesn't get mentioned. They don't recognize that he's catching up. And then, and then, like, he's right there neck and neck. And then that, I forgot his name. What is it? Lucky? What is it? No. Um, Rich Strike. Something like that. You know, like. And then he goes, he just shouts his name. And then about two seconds, a few seconds later, he's won the race. And the guy's screaming, wow, this is an 80 to 1 odds horse. Nothing like this has ever happened, you know, he just came out of nowhere. You know, this is such an unusual thing. It seems like there's a message in it for us, right? You know, just thinking about that, I, I do believe God uses unusual events to speak to us. I, I've been thinking, of actually, probably for weeks now, I've just been noticing in Scripture, oh, wow, look how God used this event to actually say something to us, Right? And so I believe a lot of times God can use events and things that happen to communicate something to us. And we should be paying attention, and, you know, and also there are signs of the time, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. I think I might preach on this later because it's been so intriguing to me how God can use things and actually communicate to us. But I was thinking, what might God be communicating in this because it's this a big event. Maybe God maybe, and you know, God knows everybody's going to be hearing about it, right? What could he be communicating to us? Let me let me just give you the story, a little background here here. Yeah, Eric Reed, who's the trainer of Rich Strike. A few years earlier, lightning struck his barn. It was six years earlier. Um it the, the barn caught fire and killed his horses, 23 of them. And um you know, he told his wife, I think that's it. I I think it's over. Um, you know, we're you know, I, I don't know what we're going to be able to do. He's, he'd invested his life into that and it looked like it was all over, you know. Um, you know, he almost gave up. And in uh last year, which 5 years after the barn burned, he went out and bought this horse uh for his owner. He he went out s- secured the horse For $30,000, a Derby uh, horse would be worth millions of dollars. He bought this horse (laughs) for $30,000, right? And he was just happy to be able to train horses and and provide, you know, uh, an owner with some fun to go, you know, that kind of thing. So he went out and bought that. So you got this um, no-name trainer. You got this no-name owner. And you got this no-name jockey, right? None of them had ever won a big race. And um, the horse wasn't even scheduled to be in the Kentucky Derby. He wasn't even scheduled. Some other horse had to drop out last minute. And this horse, now they've they've got an opportunity out of nowhere, so to speak, to be in the Kentucky Derby. Now, I don't think the guys that had them come in, I don't think they're thinking, oh, this one's probably going to win. They're going, we got to fill up that slot with somebody. Because you you just can't have 19 horses, right? So last minute he gets in, he's number 21 in the 20 slots. He's in the 20th slot, but since there's only 19, they they made him number 21, right? So he's number 21 in a field of 20 horses. He's got the worst position on the field. He's the furthest to the outside. I mean, there are too many similarities up here to go, man, there's got to be a message in this, right? Uh, he had the worst odds of any horse, even if he'd been on the inside, he'd have had the worst odds. <laughs> 80 to one. And uh, he was only mentioned as at the rear. I was thinking, if there's a message in this, if God's wanting to inspire or show us something through something like this, what might it be? What might it be? You know, and some of these things honestly ring true because, This is the kind of thing I know God does. I'll just mention a few before we go on here. But um, how about doors suddenly opening up where it looked like that that kind of thing could never happen, right? Somebody who's never could have imagined being in a situation where they are a door opening up bigger than you could have ever imagined. God can open up doors for you bigger than you could have ever imagined. He can put you in places that are bigger than you could have ever thought you would have been in, and it can happen like that. Boom, you're, you're called. Somehow you're, your name comes up. You're the one, you, you're called. Some situation works out, and you end up in some place. You're going, how in the world did this ever happen to me? God will do that, and God will do things no man could have ever done for you. Amen? God loves to do that. There's another word that's often in the scriptures and where Jesus says this, the last will be first and the first will be last. I like that because in many ways this horse was sort of last, last in many dimensions, right? And look, he ended up first. I feel like there's a lesson in that. And I believe that there's many people who've been overlooked, who've not, who it looks like they're always coming in last. Somehow things don't ever work out for them. Maybe, you know, your barns got burned, whatever, it Just and you just seem like you're last. God is able to take the ones that have always seemed to be last and he can bring them to the forefront. And I want to tell you, God loves to do that. God loves to take the down and out, the trodden down, the ones who are discouraged, the ones that's gone through really difficult times, the ones who always seem last. He loves to take them to the front. And sometimes God loves to take those that are at the front And let them go back to the back. Some of them like to need a rest. But some of them, their heads got too big. So putting them back at the back allows them to have more humility and a a greater connection with God that way. Amen? Some other things here. um, You know, God allows those who've never been heard of to come to the surface. I believe, and God loves to do this. God loves to promote no-name people, no-name situations, and do something with them. You know why? Because God gets glory with that when that happens. You know, Paul said this, God doesn't like to use a whole lot of people. I mean, he'll do it sometimes, but most of the time, God chooses the most simple people, the most nobodies, to use in, ways, in, in ways that just blow everybody away. And you know why? Because people are going to go, it couldn't have been you. It had to be God, because those people, when it happens, they know this is bigger than me. This is bigger than me. This wasn't me. God says, I like to do that for people who realize it's not them. It's me. God loves to take nobodies. They don't think they're something. Their head's not that big. They've just always been feeling like they're nobody. God loves to. Pick on that person. Go, I'm going to use you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to raise you up as an example. And when people look at you, they're going to go, he couldn't have done that. That had to be God. Amen. I just love that. And I believe God loves to restore. I mean, this is all throughout scriptures. God loves to restore where there has been major discouragement. Major setbacks, major losses. This guy, this trainer, almost gave up. Could you imagine having a fire? I think it was in the morning he got up and realized that lightning had hit his barn and burned his barn down with 23 horses in it. Man, that's got to be devastating. Devastating. And... um, he thought he thought maybe I wouldn't ever make it out of this, and six years later, he wins the most prestigious horse race <laughs> out of nowhere with a horse he bought for thirty thousand dollars instead of three million. I mean, think about that. I mean, crazy things happen. I mean, God loves to restore. He loves to take people that have gone through hardship, really difficult times. You know, and you could have gone through a time, you just go, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. Maybe it's been a divorce. Could have been a financial situation. Maybe just some crazy, tragic thing happened. Like what happened to Job, and you're going, why did this happen to me? You know, why, why did I have to go through this? I want to encourage you. That doesn't mean God's against you, you know. If you look at the story with Job, the Bible says that Satan did what Satan did and it never said God was against him. Never said God was against him. And it, So bad things happen to you doesn't mean God's against you. But I'll tell you this, if you keep looking toward God, God will bless you. It says in James, look at the story of Job and remember how it ended. Remember how it ended. We like to remember what he's going through. He says, remember, there's a lesson in how it ended. We consider those blessed who endure. They don't give up. They might feel like throwing in the towel. They might feel like I've lost everything, but they don't give up. Blessed are those who endure. That's what James says. And he says, look at Job as an example. You see, there's another thing where you can go, oh, wow, look at that. God's speaking through something that happened right there. You're supposed to look at Job and go, wow, we learned a lesson there. Look what happened. What happened? God blessed them, and he gave them double in the end because he kept staying connected to God. And I love, by the way, that all these people kept giving glory to God even before they won the race. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. So many others have been saying, oh, I'm so worthy of this. We really trained hard. Yes, maybe you did, but you know what? I just love it when somebody goes, God, you know what? No matter, It doesn't matter about how hard I trained. This opportunity came from you. Anyway. So that's a, that's a lesson. I, I hope you can um, think about things like that and let God trigger faith on the inside of you. God will use many things to trigger faith. It's always word-based. It's not contrary to the Word of God, but He uses certain things to trigger faith in us. Things can happen, and God will inspire a thought in you. Uh, you can be in a situation, something will happen, God will give you a thought, right? So I want to encourage you in that. Put your trust in the Lord. Look to God. Have your faith in Him. And um, God's going to do something big, amen, because he's a big God, not because you're a big person, amen? You need to get that in your heart. God's not going to do something for you because you're a great person. God's not going to do something in you because you're so smart or you're so wealthy, you know, or, you know, you've got this and you've got that. God's going to do something for you because God is God, amen? And uh, he's going to get so much credit. And uh, he, he gets so much more credit when he uses a nobody. I'd like to say how many of us are nobodies this morning, but I better not do that. Hopefully we could all raise our hands and say, I'm a nobody. I like being a nobody because when I'm a nobody, I know then I'm a somebody in God. Amen. Okay. Well, I want to talk to you about rest today. Rest. Um, Not just the kind of rest you might think about, like taking a nap. Um, But I'm talking about rest that goes down way deeper than that. Deep, deep, deep down to the middle of your soul, to the person way down on the inside down here. You know, um, your outer man can get tired and uh, that's bad. That needs to rest too. But your inner man can get tired. Man, when the inner man's tired, man, you can't do anything you, you very much. You remember that this verse it says, you know, a broken body, you know, well, we can get over that. Uh, we can keep going forward but a broken spirit who can endure. And I would say similarly, a tired spirit, a tired inside, a worn-out inside, who can get over that? How are you going to move on out of that? You need to deal with the thing on the inside of you. You need to make sure your insides are recharged and strengthened and full of power and that you're moving forward with the full inner capacity that you're made to have. If you're an athlete, you need a good physical body to run. You need, you need to exercise. You need to take care of your body. You need to make sure that you're in good working order. And if you're not, you realize you're not going to win that race, right? You have to be at your top. Well, in life, it's even something more important than the physical body. In life, for you to follow God, for you to do what you're supposed to do in life, you're going to need to be well-conditioned on the inside. Your spirit man, your soul as well, needs to be strengthened through the Lord. You need to have the power of God on the inside of you. You don't need to be wearied down by troubles, by thoughts, by day-to-day life. You have to be energized and full of life from the inside out. Now, we focus a lot on on the outside, and this is huge in our culture. Eat right, sleep right, and those are all very, very important to God too. But I'm just emphasizing not only that, but deeper than that today. Amen? You got to go deeper than that. Now, this kind of rest that I'm talking about, it's not going to come just because you decide you need to have it. I think if I just said that, probably all of you are just are thinking a little deep now. Oh, let me think about my soul. Am I weary on the inside? Oh, wow, it's not just my physical. It's there something deep on the inside of me that's tired. I'm weary on the inside. I'm whatever it might be. So um, that isn't going to be fixed just by you recognizing that there's a problem. You're going to have to actually do something to get your soul fixed, so to speak. You're going to have to make a point of getting rest on the inside of you. Amen? Amen? I want to get into that and get into also how to do that a little bit. But um, first of all, I want to mention, I mean, you're, you don't work right if your spirit man and your soul are tired. Um, you know, your mind doesn't work right. Do you realize that when you're tired? Yeah, have you ever noticed that when you're tired, you lose creativity? You lose creativity. You lose inspiration. Um, you lose something that you you feel like you could you ought to have you you, you might still be doing your best to give a hundred percent at work or in your family or what you 're doing and you might be giving a hundred percent but guess what you 're not giving a hundred percent of a hundred percent you 're giving a hundred percent of eighty percent or a hundred percent of sixty percent you don 't have it in you you can 't give something you don 't have so even though you might be giving extra effort if you 're If you're not rested on the inside, your mind's not working right. You're you're not able to function. You're not able to give that emotional energy. Your emotional energy isn't there when you've not been rested. And some other things that you might not think about, when you don't rest, it affects your faith. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But when you're not rested on the inside, your faith is affected. Your faith is definitely affected. I'm talking about your, your faith in life. Faith to overcome, faith to trust God, faith to believe for miracles for whatever you need. It's affected when you're not, when you're not resting. And um, things in our life get out of order when we're not rested. Um, your work will get out of order in your life. Uh, your priorities will get out of order. You'll start prioritizing the wrong things and you'll get less fruitful. This is a crazy thing. You become less fruitful the more tired you are on the inside. You can work twice as much Um, but get half as much done, uh, because you're tired on the inside. So from the beginning of this message, I just want to put this in your heart and mind. Resting isn't just a good idea. It's not like, oh, that's a nice thing to do. I think I might try resting. It's a lot bigger than that. You're actually made to rest. You have to rest. Your body can't function right if you don't rest, and God even commanded for you to rest. So it's got to be very important, and we need to take this issue seriously, and we need to make sure that we're doing it. When you're, when you're living for the Lord, I mean, you're, you make sure you're not going to um, go get drunk. You make sure you're not going to fornicate, or you're not going to be in adultery, right? Because you go, oh, God says no. In fact, then you have to go back and go, well, I can't even lust. I'm not even going to do that either. I just have to, you know what I'm saying? You, so you begin to be more focused and you see those areas of your life, they get restored because you're doing things right. And God begins to restore your soul because you're disconnecting from that. Same way with, with resting. When you begin to rest and do it God's way, your soul begins to function right. You might still have some things pulling you to do it the old way just like with sin, but you've got to get past that and get the rhythm of rest back into your life and what God wanted it to have. Rest recharges your body, it recharges your soul, and recharges your spirit, and it reconnects you to God. It reconnects your faith. When you rest, guess what? On your day of rest, when you or, or when your day's over and you go, you know what, I've worked today, I have to pull away and rest... I believe we should do it every day at the end of our day, but I believe we should also do it every week for a whole day. That sounds crazy. And if we're in the Bible, you tell me I was crazy to tell you to rest a whole day and don't work a whole day and don't do stuff that's going to bring anxiety or stress or, or get you back into the rhythm of the rat race a whole day of the week. You go, man, there's only seven you want me to do. If it weren't in the Bible, you'd think I was crazy to tell you that. But it's in the Bible. And when you take that rest, what are you doing? You're reconnecting back to God. You're recharging. Again, it's not just resting physically. You're letting go of stuff. And guess what you do when you've got all these problems, all these issues that need to get taken care of, all these things that need to be fixed, all these emails you think you look at, all the social media you feel like you need to catch up on. What happens when you put that away and you, and you say, I'm not going to do that? First of all, it starts to get pulled out of your system, but you're, to, to let go of some of these things that you feel responsible for, you're going to have to go, God, I just put it in your hands. God, I'm not touching it today. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm trusting you with my finances, so I'm not going to work today. I'm trusting you with this situation. Now, the Bible does say there's emergencies like the donkey in the ditch that Jesus uses as an example, right? Sometimes your donkey's in the ditch, and you have to get them out, and it's the day you're going to rest. I would just say, don't feel bad about that. You didn't plan on that donkey falling in the ditch. But on the other hand, if there's an emergency that's already been an emergency for five days and you haven't done anything about it, and then, you're, and then you do it on that. No, that's not what it means. Deal with stuff and even plan. I believe that that one day that you take and just say, um, that's going to be for God. I believe when you start out, and I'll get into this in a minute, when you start out, you might hate doing it. And there's a reason for that. But when you've gotten the rhythm of it, it's going to be your favorite day. And you're going to so enjoy it. And you're going to realize that the rest of your week is blessed because you took that day of rest. And what you do on those other days ends up being more blessed because you took that one day and gave it to God and you took a rest. It will pay you back. I believe it absolutely does. So anyway, recently I was getting into my, when I'd go to get into my word, you know, I'd like pick up my Bible and then, Psalm one one twenty seven come to mind. I I didn't you know the first time I'm not even remembering what's there. Was that one? You know, so Psalm one twenty seven come to my mind. And um, so I'd read it, and it's a it's a psalm you know about working and resting, and having God in your work. So I, I I remember I read it the first time, and I'm going, yeah, I'm very familiar with that verse, and that's that's good. That's good encouragement, God. Yeah. And then after about two or three times, you know, pick up my... I mean, it happened, I don't know how many times. Psalm 127. And, I, and after a while, I'm going, man, God really has something he wants me to share. And I thought, I don't think I'm resting is enough. I think God wants me to rest more. And so, and then I began to realize, yeah, I'm tired. I'm really, I am tired. I didn't even realize I was tired. You know, a lot of times we don't even realize that we're tired. We don't even realize it. God's been telling me that verse... I don't know how many times before I started to go. I really need to rest. I think God's telling me I need to rest. And then, um, then we we're at prayer meeting. And while we we're at prayer meeting, I had this image, like a vision, come to my mind. And I saw this was a few weeks ago. I saw me before the Lord. And I was just, I was just sitting before the Lord. And it was the I got such a strong impression that God was communicating something to me. And what I felt, which is for me, and I also feel like it's not just for me, but for the season of what God's getting ready to do. The word was this. For what's getting ready to happen, resting is going to be more important than doing. Now, that sounds so exciting, but to me, it rubs me the wrong way because I like doing. And God's not saying don't do. He's saying resting is going to be more important than the doing. If you don't rest, God's not going to be in the doing that you're going to be doing. Resting is more important because it's going to bring God into what gets done, and that's going to even seem like so easy. Are y'all with me? God's going to be in what's done because there's going to be a new level of resting, of trusting, of being before God. Now, resting doesn't simply mean not doing anything. Resting means you're actively trusting God and putting it in His hand. About everything. You see what I'm saying? So it takes a continual effort to stay rested. I believe we're supposed to be rested throughout the whole week, but to be able to do that, it takes one day of focusing on that so that it'll carry us through the whole week. That's an amazing thing. It's similar to prayer. You want to hear God? I believe God wants to communicate with you all day long. But if you never pray, it's probably going to, the well is going to dry up. Same thing with rest. God will bless you. You're supposed to be rested and trusting God all week. The one day ought to be the day you major in it. Oh, today I'm recharging. Oh, today my faith meter is going to really, really soar. All of these things I've been doing Today, I'm not going to do anything about them except trust and rest and bring them before God and say, God, here's all these things I've been working out all week. I'm not worrying about them today. I'm not grabbing a hold of them. I'm not going to be anxious about them. I'm letting them go. And I'm saying, God, I'm rejoicing and thanking you. You know, Sunday or whatever day you're going to take, your Saturday, for example, as your day of of, uh, rest, You ought to be thanking God and rejoicing and letting go of your troubles all day long. It just needs to get out of your system. That's what's supposed to happen. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm hoping you're thinking about doing this. You might think you don't need it. But if you think you don't need it, you're lying. You're lying. Maybe you don't want it. You're trying to convince yourself, oh, I don't really have to do this. You know, I have to go. No, God says you need it. God's going to bless it. And you need to make sure you're going to do it. So I hope you're even thinking right now of what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, what you're going to let go of, what you're going to quit doing that day that you're addicted to, whether it's your phone or your emails or something else, and how you're going to start doing what God wants you to do. And I'll tell you, you might not like it at first. I just want to prepare you for that. You might not like it. An alcoholic doesn't like to stop drinking. That after he gets it out of his system, it's a whole lot better, right? And he's glad he did it. Amen? Okay, so so anyway, that happened in this prayer meeting. And then um, I forgot what I, I was researching, some something, a topic, and then uh, this, I don't know why in the world I clicked on one something and it led to something else, and I was walking around, I think, and this guy started preaching about rest. I wasn't even trying to go there, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, and uh, that's not a message I would have sought out. And, you know, um, I didn't think I wouldn't have thought I needed it. Right. I wouldn't have thought it had been that great of a blessing to me that that, you know, such a powerful thing. So anyway, I'm listening to this message on rest and I start to go, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm, you know, those things. But as he was saying it, God was really speaking to me. And um, by the end of that message, I mean, I just and plus what God had been doing in me for weeks. I was just going, man, uh, I have not been resting. I've not been resting God's way. It was like a very gentle, whatever, five-week rebuke, uh, you know, (laughs) But God was so persistent. And um, I was just going, man, I don't rest God's way. My mind's always running. I'm always thinking, I mean, on my day, I do, I do. Okay, I'm going to take a day off. I'm not going to work, right? But guess what happens that day? My mind's always running. My mind's always figuring out problems. My mind's always thinking about what I'm going to have to fix. I might have a few little things I'm going to go, oh, I just need to do this this really quick. Oh, I just need to do that really quick. (laughs) In other words, even though I'm sort of resting a little bit, I'm still tired the next day. y'all get what I'm saying? And I should have known this. I mean, it's the most simple thing ever. And I would just say this is true with all of us. We can get so busy, even on the time when we're resting, that we don't end up resting. So um, I had to to really back up. And I'll I'll tell you about what happened when, when I started doing this, which is just recently. Um, I mean, it's like a joke to my system. I mean, I know that sounds funny, but my, it's like a joke to my system. I'm having to recalibrate some things. But anyway, let me read Psalm twenty-one, twenty-seven, or the part of it that I, I kept reading over and over and over. It says this, Except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who build it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives to his beloved sleep. I really believe the essence of what this scripture is telling us is rest. You need rest, okay? But let me go through some of this. And, and also, you need rest to get God involved <laughs> in, in what he's doing. We'll, we'll see that in this verse in a minute. Um, so... First of all, what he's talking about is something we're building. We're building. If The Lord doesn't build the house, right? If you look in Luke 6, he talks about a man building a house. And what's that house? The house, then Jesus goes, he applies that to your life. So the house could be your life is what you're building. It could be your ministry or whatever. But in Luke, again, building your house is talking, Jesus is talking about, um, Building your life, right? So, so what you're putting into your life, what you're building there, and uh, you know, you could read Luke six, like around forty six, to, to to read about how to, what Jesus said about that, and then he's talking about our labor, our labor, our work, uh, our building. Uh, except the Lord builds a house; they labor, they labor in vain. What you're what you're building with your life? Um, are are you laboring in vain, you know, he did, if you look at the story in Luke 6, he talks about a man, he labored, and he built something really, really nice, you know, um, but when the storms came, it blew it down, you see, so you can be laboring and building something that looks really, really great on the outside, but the question is, are you building God's way? Is, is God in it? Is God in it? That's, that was the question that, that Jesus was really asking. Is God in what you're doing? And what does it say in the word? How are we supposed to labor? Six days, right? You're supposed to work six days. And by the way, I don't think you can enjoy rest if you don't enjoy work. Are y'all with me? If you want to do seven days of rest, it doesn't work. If you want to do, (laughs) you know, um, six days of rest and one day of work, it doesn't work. You work six days. Because we're made to work. We're made to be fruitful. We're made to be productive, right? But as I said, it's that seventh day that makes the other fruitful. Okay, so then he talks about the problem of um, God not being in what you're doing. You're laboring. You're building the house, but God's not building it. God's not in it. Did y'all see that? That's a, that's a powerful, is everything Okay. That's a powerful question. Is God in what you're doing? Ask yourself that question. Are you striving in what you're doing or is God in it? And I don't believe it's just either black and white. I think that God can be partly in what you're doing, but not perfectly in what you're doing. And God, I believe, wants to perfect and go, I want to be completely in what you're doing. I want to build something that you can't build just by yourself. Amen? Is God building your house? You need to ask yourself that question. So he gets into that that question. And then he says this. It's vain for you to rise early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. Um. That word sorrows is interesting. And I I think it's such a poetic expression to eat the bread of sorrows. I mean, just think about somebody coming to, what kind of bread is this? Oh, this is sorrow bread. You eat it and you go. I mean, just it's so it's such a picture, right? You're eating the bread of sorrows. So many people eat the bread of sorrows all the time. They're feeding on it all the time and they're, they're down. But the word sorrows means more than just sorrow That word means toils or pain in the body or pain in the mind or the thoughts. What a a nice word there. I think we could, in the Hebrew, I think we could put the word stress there or anxiety there or worries there or burdens or weights of life, okay? Okay. It's vain to rise early, sit up late, eat the bread of stress, anxieties, um, the weights of life. It's vain. He's saying it doesn't do any good to put all that extra uncalled for effort. I hate to say that because so many people don't put any good effort into hardly anything anymore but a lot of people do right and if you're one you want to be productive in life you don't want to just sit home and get a, a free check or whatever you want to do the best you can if you can if you're able you want to work you want to be fruitful you want to be productive there's going to be a push to say go beyond what you ought to do amen honestly, I mean, I believe you ought to be the first one at work. I mean, if everybody comes, is supposed to be there at 7, most people are going to get there at 7.15. A lot of them are. You should be there maybe 10 minutes till 7. But I don't think you ought to be there at 5. And when when you go home at 5, I don't think you ought to go home at 8. And you sure ought to not do it every day. Your rhythm needs to be, you know what, I work. And I go home. They took George Washington Carver, who came. I forgot how many uses he came up for the peanut. uh, He was invited before Congress and they asked him, how is it that you've come up with so many uh, uses for the peanut? How is it that um, you did this? And he just told everybody there, um, well, every day I pray and I ask God. God, what do you want me to do today? Look at that. What's he doing? He's co-laboring with God. God's in what he's doing. And look how fruitful it was. Amazingly fruitful. If you will back up, slow down, and take the time to get God in what you're doing at a new dimension through rest, you're going to be hugely blessed by it. Hugely blessed because the Word of God. Teaches that. Okay, so he goes. It's vain for you to do all of that to eat the bread of anxiety. Burdens have the weights of life, and and the, and then he says, you know, he's pretty much showing here when he says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. He's really talking about something more than just sleeping here, because if you look through the whole thing, he's talking about an individual who's high strung, doing things, always doing things. Now, you might go, well, I'm not high strung. I want to ask you this. What would happen if you were to put away your phone for a whole day? Would, would you be looking for it? You ever notice you go to a restaurant? This is the funniest thing. Sometimes you go to a restaurant and people are there to enjoy each other. I've seen it where you have four or five people at the table, and every single one of them are like this. I mean, was, that is the funniest thing. They came here to eat together, and look, they could be texting each other instead of eating. They're also, maybe they're texting each other. You know, what are you going to have for just out of habit, right? But um, you know, we we get strong, high strung more than we realize. But anyway. Um. look at this. He starts out saying, he's talking about the person who labors, but God's not in the labor. He's not the one building. And then he talks about resting at the end. What's he doing there? He's connecting resting with getting back God back in what you're doing. And you trusting more and doing what God wants and doing what God has you to do and putting your faith in him rather than in how hard you're working. Please, I am not saying don't work hard. I think people should work, really give it 100%. But when you rest, you need to rest 100%. Amen? Work 100%, but when you rest, lay your work down and rest 100%. Amen? Now, God says, work six Rest seven. Again, as I said, this shows you we've been made for that, right? We need it. It's a natural rhythm that we have. Um, so it might sound like a burden. I'm just curious, I won't ask for for you to raise your hands. Again, I'm tempted to. But how many of you, when you think about taking a day of rest, a Sabbath, how many of you, that's a burden? You're already thinking, I don't want to do that, right? I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. I don't, I don't wanna, you know. Um, Oh, no, I'm going to have to do this to do that. I'm going to have to do this to do that. You see, it's natural to feel like that's going to be a burden on me, right? Jesus said this because I believe people saw this as a, uh, this law of the Sabbath as a burden rather than a blessing. And he goes this, he says this, listen, guys, you got this thing all wrong. You think the Sabbath is this this thing that for us to fulfill? He goes, the Sabbath wasn't made so that man could serve it. The Sabbath was put in place to serve the needs of man. You are made to need rest. The day of rest was given to serve a purpose for a need that you had. They had it all backwards. It was all about that thing, the Sabbath, rather than, oh, when we do this, we're the recipients of the blessing. It's all about us, so to speak. And us reconnecting to God. You know? Now, why is it so hard to rest? Why is it so hard to give that day to God? And I would say, also to end your day like that. Why is it so hard? I believe there's two main reasons. One of them is because it requires a detox. To rest... You're going to have to detox, and detoxing is not comfortable. And until you detox, you're not going to enjoy your rest. You're going to be like the drug addict who knows this is bad for me. I don't want to live like this. But then when he tries to get off of it, something is going, you know, wanting to do it again, right? That's how it is when you start to rest. There's something in you going, do it again, do it again, and then you give in to it. Oh, there's a little bit of relief. Oh, I'm going to get on that phone. Oh, i got to check my email. Oh, just for a minute, just for a minute, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, I feel better now. No, you just gave your system some of that stuff that God wants to detox you from. Oh, I just need to do it. <laughs> I'm calmed down now. You need to detox. And you know what? you might not feel good about it when you're doing it. Man, when I started doing this, when I stopped and I said, I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to think, I'm not going to fix problems, I'm not even going to let them come to my mind. When they come to my mind, I'm going to say, God, I trust you with that. I bring it before you. I'm using my faith now, right? Man, my Just something on the inside of me warring with that. Did not want to do it. Did not want to rest. Wanted to make things happen. Wanted to fix things, uh, so to speak, problems I'm talking about. And I had to go, man, it was, and I, I know this sounds funny, I didn't enjoy a lot of that day because a lot of it, I was wrestling with me. And I tell you, God wants to detox you. And if you've not been in the habit of resting, when you start resting, it's not going to be easy because something's in your system. And you're not wired right, but that something in your system. You need to detox from it because it's wearing you out. It's wearing you out. And then even after you detox from it, you don't just stop taking rest because you're still going to have to get a little detox every week. You know, people that are in all this health stuff, they'll detox regularly. Don't even ask what they do when they detox and what happens. I mean, you know, it's just getting stuff out of their system, right? Well, we have to do that every week. You have to do it every week. You got to detox. You can pray every day, have God with you every day, His Holy Spirit being with you. But you still are going to need to have a day of detox and reconnect. Letting go of the things trying to get on the inside of you and reconnecting. And remember what happens? The second reason why I would say people don't do this is they don't have faith. You know, it's an interesting thing. I think one of the reasons why people don't tithe is really because they don't, it's lack like of faith. Really? Yes. Why? Because it's very similar to this principle of the Sabbath. What happens in tithing? You work first. Then you give to God of what you've worked, after you've worked, and then God brings blessing in what you're doing. He opens up windows of heaven. There's supernatural provision. He's going to take care of you. You see what I'm saying? It takes faith to do that, and we'd rather be in control of our own lives, our own finances, and say, well, we don't really need to do that. It's a lack of faith. Because there's a great promise. By the way, there's a great promise in the tithe, isn't it? There's a great promise in in another law in the Bible, a law on your father and mother. And guess what happens? Did you know that's the law in the Old Testament? With a promise. It's mentioned by Paul in the New Testament, and he says that promise is still for you. That's amazing, isn't it? Tithing, same thing, right? Because it's beyond the law. But I'm just saying there's something good in it. The blessing is still in it. Okay, what about what about resting a day? Is the blessing still in it? Absolutely, the blessing is. It's crazy for you to think, do you think now your body doesn't need to rest anymore? Now that Jesus has risen from the dead? Do you think you, you don't, you know, your spirit doesn't need to rest anymore? Yes, you need to rest. Now no rest is found in him. But you have to make the effort to get into that. Amen? Amen. I hope you understand that. And I believe it's lack of faith. People don't believe, first of all, that God wants them to do it or that that it's important. And secondly, they don't believe that it will be blessed. They don't believe that if they give God that one, that the other six will be hugely blessed. I've shared this. I wasn't going to share this story because I've shared it. Umpteen times. Do y'all know what umpteen means? Um, but years ago, um, this man, I forgot whether his name's Kathy Truitt or Truett Cassie. But he, do you know, Wendy? Truett Cathy. Um, Truett Cathy uh, was the guy who started um, Chick-fil-A. I forgot how old he was when he got saved. And he really wanted to dedicate it to the Lord. And so he said, what I'm going to do, I'm, we're just going to be open six days a week. Now, he could have said, okay, nobody works but six days a week. Everybody's going to have to take one day off. He could have said that, but he says, I feel like I just want my whole business. We're just going to take off. I want everybody to be with their family that day. I want everybody to be able to just not work that day. Just don't think about work um, go to church, have time with God, rejoice. So he said, I'm going to do that. And anybody would have said, you're you're going to start your business like that? You're crazy. Everybody else is working seven. That extra set, that extra one day is going to bring you in a lot of money. Well, you know, he started in malls. And the amazing thing is only after a little while, he's working six days and the other places were open seven. And he made in six days more than any other business in the whole world mall nationwide he was the number one dollar per square foot business in the whole malls do you think that just happened i don't i feel i believe god honored him and i believe it was a sign just like i said earlier god can use things to teach us something that's happening i believe god used that as a sign to us if you honor god work six days give him a day give him a complete day He will bless those other six, but you got to have faith to do it. Amen. So, if you want to do this, you're going to have to be willing to go through detox. Amen. Now, I can say there's certain things I might do. There's certain things on my day off. I was just just realizing this today (laughs) that I might do with my wife. That's like work. I'm going to have to tell her, honey, I can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> honey, that makes my stress level go up. That'd have to be another day. Okay? But there's other things. I, I, get, I sort of get a release and really just enjoy God in things that things I don't normally do during the week. Now, some of you might go, well, checking social media, you know, that's not, that's really not work. Let me tell you something. If you do it every day, it's in your system and you need to get it out. You're addicted to it. Do you have to check this and check that? Do this. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. You might be excusing yourself right now. Go, no, no, no. I don't really. Well, and and sometimes I get emergency calls. Sometimes I get an emergency call. If possible, fix your phone where if that particular call comes in, it has a special ring or something. That way you don't have to check all the time. Are y'all with me? But I'm just saying make it. You know what happened in the Old Testament? They made a way for that special day. They realized it's coming. So they prepared. Oh, we better get this done because on that day we're resting. Right? So try to fix things where you're resting. You're giving it to the Lord. And when you're resting that day, make sure you're connecting with God. God, I'm trusting you. Lord, I'm resting. Not because I don't have stuff to do. Any common sense person would be working right now. But I'm a faith man. I trust in you. Faith is bigger than just common sense. Faith is saying, I trust in God's ways. God's ways are higher than man's ways. And if I do God's way, God's going to get into my work, into my labors, into the house I'm building. Not only my life, but whatever I'm doing. And he's going to be in it. It's vain for you to work, 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 do, do, do. Get all wrapped up in this. Because God gives to his beloved even in their sleep. And God gives them sleep. God gives them rest. Amen. And God will give you life. You're going to enjoy life so much better. When you learn to rest, you're going to hear God better. I just feel like this is a great reset time. Can y'all tell this is a reset error we're living in? Everything's resetting. And God's saying, I'm resetting the church. And well, you know where it's going to start? Out of rest. It's not going to start out of doing. Doing's going to happen. Doing's happening a little bit. But God's saying, I'm prioritizing rest over doing. And when you're in the fullness of rest, wow, I just remembered. A friend of ours. Uh, Ubang, Ubang, I doubt you're here today. Ubang, he's sort of prophetic. He called me about, I don't know, two years ago. And he just, and, I, you know, and I'm going, yes, good word, Ubang. But anyway, his word was this. He goes, uh, he says, I just felt like God told me to. I mean, I don't see Ubang regularly. He called me out of the blue. I hadn't seen him for years. And he says, God told me that this morning I got an impression for you that, that in your rest, in rest, new miracles and this and this and this is going to come about. I said, so, well, that's really good, Ubon. And I'm just going, ah. he told me that years ago, and now God's like bringing it full circle. But anyway, I just would encourage all of you, what God's going to do, yes, you're going to have to work, you need to work hard, but you need to rest hard too. And the work is going to be successful and fruitful because you rested and trusted, Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for freedom. Lord, our minds would say, don't rest. Don't do this. You take control of your own life. You make things happen. Oh, it's not really necessary. Oh, that's we don't have to do that. Lord, we just don't even want to say we don't have to do it. That makes it sound like the, the Sabbath isn't a blessing for us. It's about a, being able to do it. Thank you, God, that you've given us a Sabbath. Thank you, Lord God, that you've given us time when we should rest and get recharged and get detoxed and refocus and re-energize and get our faith flowing again. Lord, we thank you for that. And God, we just pray today, Lord, you help us, Lord, to stay connected and to stay in that place of rest. Lord, I pray for everyone, Lord, hearing today that you've spoken to and given them direction. I just pray, Father, that there'd be a great sensing of, what you ought to do. I pray that every conscience would, would be at peace because of having come to grips with what you're putting in every conscience this morning and what you're leading people. Lord, I pray that any fleshly excuses of things that you're dealing with right now where you're telling, mm-hmm, I want you to lay that down. Every, every week, you need to lay that down. You need to detox. Lord, I just pray right now We'll all just sort of come to grips with whatever that is, and we'll see what that is. What's what's driving us, what's gotten into us we it's hard to let go of. Lord, I just pray you do that. And Lord, I just pray arrest every excuse right now. I believe you'll have peace when you give in to whatever God's putting on your heart. You'll have peace and you won't be won't be wrestling in your conscience. And some of it might just be practical. You just realize, hey, I need to do this. So, Father, we commit ourselves to this, to rest. To rest, to rest at the end of every day. Just to put everything in your hands and just say, Lord, we're not going to worry. To rest at the end of every week. Lord, we're going to rest. We're going to put all this in your hands. We're not going to worry about it. We're just going to get it out of our system. And, Lord, we thank you. You're going to be faithful to bless us as we do this.